Shabbat Shalom to the family. Time for the weekly Parsha from the Papa. The Parsha is Pinchas, fascinating Parsha. In order to discuss this Parsha, we need to start off by going back to last week's Parsha because it really is a continuation of the story that began there. You'll recall that Balak was afraid of the oncoming party of Israelites because he believed he would not win them at physical war. He hired Bilam to curse them which of course did not work. Those curses turned out to be the wonderful blessings that we studied. Um, that's how they came out as a series of blessings of the Jewish people. So that second attempt didn't work. And so Balak tried the third and probably most reliable method of conquering the Jewish people was to unleash gorgeous Midianite women onto the Jewish populace and unfortunately, that was remarkably successful to the point where everybody gave up on Jewish values and sexual promiscuity became very widespread. The climax or nemesis of this interaction between the women of the other side and the Jewish men took place when Cosby, uh, who was the Midianite princess, and Zimri, who was a Jewish prince, uh, descended from the tribe of Shimon, publicly engaged in a sexual act right in the middle of the Mishkan, right at the most holy place of the Jewish people, and in a fit of rage, anger, and zealousness, Pinchas took a sword and in a single strike hit them both in the stomach, and that uh, killed them both, for which God gave him two gifts, one the, what you would call the Nobel Peace Prize, the prize of peace and the prize of Kohanut, to be a Kohen. As might be expected, there's much rabbinic discussion about how Pinchas could do such an outrageous act of zealousness and commit a double murder, but uh, the reward given to him by God teaches many lessons. The rabbis bring down that the fact that he did this outrageous act was the act of zealousness that all of us have uh, inherited and therefore don't ever need to repeat. It was such a strong act that it carries forward to every generation. And therefore, Pinchas, we know, is regarded by the rabbis as Eliyahu Hanavi, who, by the way, in the Haftarah, usually read the Shabbat, uh, is also called a zealous man. So that zealousness continues, and Eliyahu symbolically is always present at every bris tying him back to the sexual promiscuity of his forebearers and reminding us all of the potential sacredness of physical acts between men and women rather than despicable acts as we saw. So it's interesting that Eliyahu is present at every bris when a little boy becomes fully humanized uh, by the uh, circumcision. And Eliyahu, as we know, will be uh, accompanying the Mashiach so there's a, a, a massive message in the life of Pinchas and his successor in name, Eliyahu Hanavi. Looking at the ancestry of um, Zimri and Pinchas, we see that they both come from uh, the two sons of Jacob, uh, Shimon and Levi, who uh, got a particularly harsh blessing from Jacob on his deathbed. And he says, Shimon and Levi are brothers, instruments of cruelty are their swords. And he goes on in his blessing and says, Let their rage be cursed, for it is powerful, and their wrath, 
for it is harsh. I will divide them and so on. Very interesting origin of these two men who both retain their passion, but the house of Levi becomes passionately Jewish, passionately spiritual, passionately religious, and unfortunately, the house of Shimon becomes a house where the passion is directed frequently, and there are multiple stories of evidence of this and a negative expression of passion. There is a fascinating story in this week's parsha about the daughters of Tzlofchag, who find out that when the land of Israel is divided, uh, that because there are no sons to inherit their father's land, um, they, there will be no inheritance for the family. And the way they ask the question, uh, and the fact that they would dare to ask in the first place of Moshe, who then goes uh, to find out the answer from God, and the Tzlofchag people, uh, daughters themselves who ask, the, the interesting thing is, first of all, the guts and the integrity to actually make the request. Secondly, the way that they requested it, it wasn't about them. It was the kavod, the honor of their father that they were seeking to perpetuate, which uh, is, is uh, very powerful. We see that uh, also repeated uh, much earlier when the uh, second Pesach, Pesach Sheni, is provided also by people who are not looking for anything for themselves that's material other than simply to restore the integrity of what God declared that he wanted to happen. And you see that over here, those two stories mirror each other quite closely. And they both show that at the earliest stages of reinterpretation, of clarification, of and uh, uh women become role models for all of the women who today are becoming more interested in Torah study, Talmud study, and uh, authentic Jewish texts, uh, all presaged by these great uh, daughters of Tzlofafat. As we approach the end, Moshe is very mindful of the fact, and he's reminded by God of the fact, that he is going to uh, die the way Aharon did, in other words, with a heavenly kiss. And uh, an astonishing word, uh, a sentence comes out of his mouth. We're very accustomed to hearing the words, Vayedaber Hashem El Moshe Lemor. And uh, God spoke, and it's a strong speech. It's a firm speech. Uh, to Moses saying, and here for the first and only time in the Torah, it's reversed. And what did he tell him? God, and Moshe said to God, you should give me the successive leader so that I can handle, hand over the mantle appropriately. And that is once again, a great side of Moshe's leadership ability, the ability to hand on the baton, to hand on the torch. Uh, and unfortunately, we've seen examples lately of the inability to hand over the torch to successes both in the United States and in Israel. And uh, great leaders uh, embrace that ability to transfer power and to hand over to the next successor. And finally, perhaps one of the most important points in the whole parsha is famous disagreement among the rabbis among, about what is the most important pasuk in the whole Torah. And the uh, conclusion that we hold is quite astonishing. So, um, Basically, Rabbi Yehuda HaNasi, who's the redactor of the Mishnah, asks, what is the most important pasuk? And three rabbis' responses are recorded, and here they are. Ben Zoma says it is the Shema. Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. And you would think that would be a great choice. Absolutely not. The uh, second opinion is by Shimon Ben Nanus, who says it is V'yahavta L'Reach HaKamocha. You should love your neighbor as yourself, uh, which I think would also be a terrific and maybe predictable response. But the third one, and the one which we hold by, appears in this week's parsha. 
which says, את הכבש האחד תעשה בבוקר, ואת הכבש השני תעשה בין הרביים. The first lamb you shall sacrifice in the morning, and the second lamb in the afternoon. That's a verse from this week's Pasha. We say it every Rosh Chodesh. And um, I think the message over there is an extremely powerful one about the essence of Jewish attitudes. Uh, we don't make a fuss about the extraordinary because the extraordinary makes a fuss of itself. Jews make a fuss of the ordinary and make it extraordinary. The people who are the heroes of the Jewish people are those who take care of the routine daily stuff. In fact, we have a special bracha on Shabbat morning in the shul, in the, in the Musaf service, which basically where we praise those who give ner l'ma'or v'yayin l'kidush l'havdala. Special prayer for those who take care of the lights for Shabbat and the wine for Kiddush and Havdala and so on. In other words, there's a special prayer for those who take care of the day-to-day -day running of the shul and the day-to-day -day maintenance. There is no special prayer for those who funded the shul and the foundation stones generally bear adequate witness to those anyway. But what we do is we basically applaud those who take care of the routine. And I think that in our own lives, that's very important as well. We need to make more of a fuss of the people who are always in our lives and not only of those who are special guests. And I think this idea of making the ordinary extraordinary, of taking routine and realizing its value in keeping the organization, the structure of Judaism and our families going, our businesses going, recognizing the contribution of what we might otherwise think of as mundane activities, I think is the role of a Jew. Have a great Shabbos.